listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Chipmon, how are you? Doing great, man. Another Friday. Always nice when you make it to Friday. That's right. We get to do the show. It's good to get to hang out with you again today. Really a subject that's kind of near and dear probably to both of our hearts. We're going to start for the next couple of weeks talking about business ownership. And, you know, we both have been through the various cycles of this. And we'll talk about it kind of as the show's go on. But John, when you think about, you know, I guess one of the things and in, in kind of the topic for today is starting a business. And so what are your thoughts when you start to look at situations with your clients and they're giving consideration to, should I start a business? What kind of comes to mind for you first? You know, it's interesting that we're talking about this. I was at my son's soccer practice last night, talking to one of the parents on the sidelines, watching the kids run around and kick the balls and all that stuff. And this person isn't even a client of ours, but, you know, just a, a friend. Of, and, you know, I happen to have X amount of dollars in the bank. And man, are we trying to figure out what to do with it? And I think there are a lot of people at that crossroads where they've been able to save up money. They haven't done anything in the last 12 to 18 months, or at least they haven't lived their life in a normal fashion. They've saved up some excess funds. Interest rates are paying them nothing to keep the money in savings. And you get to that point where you start having the conversation of what else is out there available to me that I can do with this money and potentially use it towards my family's security in the future or doing something that makes me happy versus not, you know, you're starting to have all of these questions. And it seems like, and I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but it seems like the environment is right. I mean, interest rates are low. Lending restrictions seem to be a little bit easier now that all the PPP loans have been agreed upon and gotten out into the environment. And it seems like all of the necessary ingredients are there for potentially a small business boom. I mean, is that kind of how you see things playing out? Well, I think there's a lot of potential for people with money, you know, and I hate to say it this way, but there are a lot of small businesses that were started even five years ago, then in the last year have really, really struggled. And so, I mean, that shows us some of the potential danger in running a small business. But it also, for those who are considering starting a business now, I think you're right. It has kind of cleared the field to some extent and opened up a lot of opportunities for people with money who are wanting to find a way to invest, again, in themselves in a way, in terms of really taking kind of a more active approach. You know, there are lots of ways to invest money. This would be a more active approach in actually starting a business. And there are a lot of ways to do that. And so I think that, you know, one of the things, John, that when I talk to people right now, or really anytime about starting a business, one of the things is, you know, why do you want to do that? Because for a lot of people, there are a lot of ways, like I said, to invest money in a much more passive fashion. This is just one way to do it. And so I think a big part of it is just because there's an opportunity doesn't mean you should. So when you think about starting a business, what are some of the things that you see as 
the kind of reasons why somebody might do it, or maybe even the flip side of that. Yeah. And it's funny you say that. And I feel like you know, I have an eight-year-old at home and I feel like I spend an inordinate amount of time having conversations that start out just because you can doesn't mean you should. And it, you know, it's a good lesson to learn. It's inexpensive when you're age eight, but can get more expensive as you go on. But, you know, for those thinking about starting their own business, uh, taking that leap of faith in themselves, in their ideas, I mean, it's an important thing to consider. And we'll go over a lot of different pros and cons today. But the most successful new business operators are ones that take the time to develop a clear understanding of what it is they want to accomplish how they want to use an area of personal enjoyment for themselves to either add value or enrich somebody else's life in the way that somebody else would pay them for that experience, that service, that product, whatever it is. The least successful new business owners to me are the ones that start out by thinking about starting their own business because they are essentially running away from some other type of employment, either working for somebody else or something that they don't like about their job. I mean, that's not enough. That's, that's not going to be enough to keep you in it when times get tough, to keep you motivated to go into work every day. I mean, that's what you really need. So it starts from an area, for me anyway, an area of personal interest. And then what you want to do as you're thinking about creating something is you want to, obviously, any business, you want to have an income stream for now. You want to create an income stream that has the ability to increase over time. And then you want to create a business that at some point will have a terminal value, something that somebody else sees the value in also so that you can take all this time and effort that you're putting into the business today, the next few years, the next couple of decades, whatever it is, you can take all that blood, sweat and tears, monetize it, sell it to somebody else, and then use that money to retire. I think you make a good point when you talk about having an income stream for now. I, I think there are a lot of people who, as we talk about starting a business, maybe they're still, particularly as it relates to retirement, maybe they're still working for somebody else. And, and a lot of times, small businesses begin as something that's a bit of a side hustle kind of thing. And it's something that starts as a passion project, which I think we both agree it should. You should be passionate about it. And then it grows into something else. And so I, I think that that, you know, when I look at one of the biggest, I guess, struggles that I see with people starting new businesses is thinking that they have to get to, you know, you see somebody's company that's been operating for X period of time, 20 years, and you think that you want to start up a business and it's going to be just like that. You're comparing your beginning product to their ending product in a way. And so I think that in addition to keeping the income stream in mind or, or maybe having it as a side thing to begin with, it also is beginning with the end in mind in terms of early on keeping your overhead low. You don't want to just own a business. You want to own a profitable business because otherwise you might be better off just having a job. I agree with that. And when you're thinking about, because, you know, owning your own business, there are always going to be costs associated with running that business. And as the business owner, you know, one of the things that may or may not excite you about having that business, you get to choose how you spend those dollars, the dollars that are coming in from the business. You get to choose how you spend those going forward. And I guess, you know, when I see some folks, if you don't have a clear picture about what you want to do in the end, in some cases, you can spend that money 
I don't know about unwisely, but there are better ways to spend that money going along. If you have that end goal in mind of creating a something with a terminal value, in addition to creating that income stream for now and making sure that that income stream can grow over time. So John, I want to make sure I point out a couple of books that for me and for you, because we own our own businesses and we at some point had to make a decision to leave employment with somebody else to go from, I like to say, signing the back of a paycheck, to signing the front of a paycheck. In making that change, there were two books for me that were really helpful that I want to make sure that we include. First is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. Essentially, it talks about, and I'd encourage anybody who is thinking about starting a business to check it out because it talks about the fact that there are different kinds of people, right? There are great technicians. You know, so there is a person who is exceptionally good. The example in the book is of a baker. She's an exceptionally good baker. She loves it. She's great at it. But that there's a difference between being an exceptionally good baker and owning a bakery. So it talks about, and I won't go too deep into it, but you know the fact that there are technicians, managers, and entrepreneurs. So the E&E myth stands for entrepreneurs. So that's a great book. And then the other one for me that was really helpful, just from a concept standpoint, is the 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. A lot of people have read that, and they've read it from a standpoint of, you know, of course, the title is really catchy. That sounds good. You know, a four-hour work week. I will say for sure, starting your own business is a sure way not to have a four-hour work week. But it talks a lot, John, about automation and outsourcing and some of those things that get into that we get into sometimes as business owners that are really interesting. And so I think those are a couple of things, just resource-wise, for people worth checking out because I think sometimes too reading things like that are an investment in yourself and it may also help you in making a decision in whether or not it's right for you. That's right. And, you know, I think you make a good point with not comparing yourself to another business and perhaps in the same industry that's been around for 20 years. And why isn't my business that I just started, you know, like that one, you know, that's one of the things when you're thinking about starting your own business, you can start out with a question of knowledge where do I possess knowledge that would allow me to excel if I create my own business? Do I have knowledge of a certain product, a certain service? Was I a real estate agent? And it was my job to go around and find properties for others to buy. So do I know the area and do I know undervalued properties when I see them? That kind of thing. And then, you know, it, you can also look at experience in your family. And that was the one that got me the family business. I had my father, he was a financial planner with Raymond James for many years. And so I had that to look towards to see how he did things and how he worked with people and how he lifted them up. And that was something that really intrigued me about his business. So that's what got me started. So there's plenty of areas that I think people can use to draw experience from and motivation from it just in the day-to-day -day life. It's all around us. It just depends on, on where we look. How did you get started in the financial planning business? What made you to decide to take that leap of faith? Well, to be honest, I was a school teacher, as you know. So one of my core driving factors initially, and to be clear, I didn't begin as an independent business owner, right? I took an employee job initially 
and I was running away from the fact that I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I wasn't going to be a school teacher anymore. But ending up in financial services was definitely an outshoot of wanting to help other people. So my granddad, I think we've talked about this story before, his planning philosophy was, it's mine until I die. And he was a small business owner, family farmer. It's mine until I die. And when I die, it's yours. And then you can worry about it. Until then, don't ask me about my plans, et cetera. And so my dad ended up paying a really large sum of money to the government for estate planning. And so part of being a planner for me came out of that family experience of, I don't want other people. And I think that's another place, right, where people can start is, I've been through something I don't want other people to go through or my family has. And, and they say, you know, when it comes to things like that, one of the people uh, or the person that you're most qualified to help is the person that you used to be. So looking back, you know, from a service business and saying, where have I come from and what are some of the things that I've dealt with that I could help other people deal with? You know, John, when you think about starting a business, you know, there are lots of good things. What would you consider to be some of the kind of pros of business ownership? You know, so some of the things that I think start people down that track are figuring out a way to make a living doing what you love. Do you ever really work if you're doing what you love? And the answer is yes, there are going to be days when you, you it's, <laughs> it's tough and you're just going to do it. But at the end of the day, you get home, you're tired, you're sweaty, you know, beaten down, but you can think that this is what I love doing. So I'm going to get up and do it all over again tomorrow. That is a definite pro. There's a lot of uh, self-motivation in that. I feel like in, in my business, and we've touched on this earlier, but you are in control of how you spend the money. You're in control of what direction your business goes in. You're in control of who you work with and where you work, whether it's at home or at an office. I mean, you are in control of those things as long as it is income for today, building income for later, and terminal value later on. You're in control you can choose the clients, you can choose who you work with, who you help, who you elevate. Like I said, you get to choose how you spend your money. So you could potentially have more money left over at the end of the year to put into your own pocket, which is always self-satisfying. And then of course, you can build something of value that you can sell later, meaning you've created something that somebody else looks at and said, gosh, that's valuable. I like doing that. I want to buy that business. And those are just some of the positives. What about the negatives? You want to touch on those? Well, I think it's a lot like, you know, our strengths can be our greatest weaknesses, right? I, I think that you can look at the other side. I, I think we're having this conversation just to help people because that's part of what we do is just help people think things all the way through. You know, the downside is it all depends on you, right? And so while you get all the control, you also, you get all the blame. I mean, if you own the business, you don't have anybody else to blame ultimately a lot of times. And that means that you have things like uncertain income. So as a business owner, you know, if you go and, and you work as a W-2 employee for somebody else, chances are there's either a commission or a salary. And so you at least kind of know how you get paid. By and large, most business owners kind of get paid last. And so in a lot of cases, unless you have really thorough kind of accounting standards and, and plans in place, you know, you pay everybody else and you get what's left. And that can be very good. Or at times, that can certainly be a con in difficult times. So it's just being mindful of how you structure your personal finances with regards to also understanding the business. We've done several talks, John, about taxes, and business taxes can be complicated. I mean, if you listen to folks talking about political stuff, 
part of that is not really loving all the deductions and so-called loopholes. But the flip side of that is maybe there are some benefits to that complication, but it can be complicated and it means that you need to get help. Hiring other people can be expensive. One of the biggest things for our business, one of a uh, big difference in going from employee, uh, so working inside of somebody else's business to our own, is coming to understand all the different employment taxes and benefits and, and kind of how expensive some of those things can be. It's a different set of rules, if you will, to be mindful of. And I think then the other thing is when we talked a little bit about kind of it all falls on your shoulders, the other part about that is it's hard to leave it at work. And it takes time as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I think. I certainly think that you can get to a place where it is less impactful at home. You know, you feel like when the buck stops here, as they say, it can be a little bit longer. It's not your typical nine to five job. No, it's not. Each one of those that you talked about, I think I've gone through in some form or fashion when, you know, running my practice in Leland. And, you know, I did find it helpful in going to a coach, you know, a business coach and or a, a business mentor, you know, somebody to talk with in my industry that could help me kind of go through some of these cons and either lessen the impact or help me figure out how they look at the situation in a different way, potentially. And I know, you know, your own coaching business is targeted towards financial advisors, uh, Maximum Advisors, the name of the business. But just in general, how do you see coaching fitting in with new business owners? Is there a point in time where they should seek out somebody to kind of help them through these things? Is it right from the beginning or is it later on? How do you see that working? Well, there are a couple of ways you can do it. And again, the coaching that I do is an outspring of what I said earlier, which is you're best equipped to help people that you have been in the past. And so I think that when you look at mentorship or coaching, there are a lot of ways to go about that. And one of the first is really just to focus on that mentor part. Yeah, you know, I think in a lot of cases, particularly, yeah, I'm a big believer, John, in who, not how. We've talked about that before and finding other people who have experience and expertise and either, you know, in some cases, outsourcing things to them, or at least I look at mentorship and coaching as a fast forward button. I can learn from somebody else's mistakes. So there are a few ways I think that you can take advantage. Let's look at it as taking advantage of other people's wisdom, right? First, you can read a book. And you can read books for free. So you can go to the library, get a book. There are plenty of places to get them. In some cases, they will even read the book to you these days. So you can benefit from other people's wisdom that way. Podcasts like this, where you are listening to other people who have done what it is that you want to do. Then the next, I guess, phase of that would be to have a mentor, somebody who is in the business, maybe locally or otherwise. Truth is, People who have found their way to success often enjoy helping people who are trying to figure it out and get there. And then the third way is coaching. And, and that's where I think coaching comes in, John, when you've got a general idea of where you want to go. Maybe you've done it for a while, but you've started to see some roadblocks and, and where you're bringing along somebody for a second set of eyes who has experience that they can apply to your situation you know, coaches typically cost money. And so uh, I tend to find it's not a bad idea to have some coming in before hiring 
a coach, but it is, again, looking at the fact that, honestly, a mentor or a coach or even just, and again, for me, books and podcasts are the cheapest way to do it, to view it as an investment and to say whether it's time or money, if I just get a little bit or if I just get the information to keep me from making a big mistake, then it's worth the time and effort that I've put into it. So there are a lot of ways to do it. The biggest thing, I think, if I were looking at a coaching perspective prior to or at the beginning of starting a business, the biggest thing is finding somebody who will help you figure out the things that we talked about at the beginning. What's your why? Why are you doing this? And what are the things that will help you sustain it when it gets hard? So I I think there's a lot of benefits. John, as business owners, I would say, I mean, if folks want to, they certainly can reach out to us. We've both done it and we have seen other people and work with people who do it. And so I think that that's always a benefit and we're both happy, I think, to lend an ear. Absolutely. Anytime at all. Well, John, I enjoyed it. It's great talking business with you and man, I look forward to seeing you again next week. We'll do it again soon. There we have it. Another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to SignatureWealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.